right, all right. I hope you had fun while you listened to that, right? That was a toe tapper for sure. I've got a special friend I want to introduce to all of you, and he is behind this veiled curtain right here. He's a noble beast, a venerable one, and I uh, purchased him just this weekend for 20 cents. Let me introduce you to Pal. It's short for Paladin, and if you know, you know, go Furman Paladins. Pal is, well, Pal used to not be alone. Actually, there was another friend in there, and I was going to name him Furman, so we had Furman and Paladins, but unfortunately, Furman went the way of the floating fish. And so, entering into the pastoral office this morning, I had to preside over a funeral of sorts. He received full military honors and a cursory flush. But thanks be to God, Paladin is holding on fast and furious at the moment. Now, don't do, don't do it. You stay alive for these people. You know, you oftentimes think of someone or something like Paladin as something rather insignificant. I mean, he only weighs about a tenth of a pound. Maybe he lives for, I don't know, 30 days. Maybe he lives for 30 minutes. You parents, you know what I'm talking about. But what's interesting about Pal is that he's actually quite amazing because he is defined by the world he lives in. We always put goldfish where? In a fishbowl. And for that reason, that's why they will only grow to a certain size and live a certain time. But did you know that in the correct world and in the correct setting, Pal here could grow to be five pounds and live up to 30 years? Incredible. Incredible. Pal is a result of a circumstance in the world he lives in currently, but given a much bigger world, given a much better world, Pal will grow to be a fish that is long to be remembered. You know, you and I are no different. Many times, whether by our own design or by accident, we put ourselves in a fishbowl. And as a result, our circumstance determines our world. We don't get bigger because our world doesn't get better. But there's good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ, and more specifically, fully invested going, proclaims the following. And I invite you to turn to the meditation that is outlined in your order of worship. Because it reads the following, fully invested going allows our world to become bigger and our lives to become better as we serve others in Jesus' name. Now, you've all found it. Can we read it together? Fully invested going allows our world to become bigger and our lives to become better as we serve others in Jesus' name. Now, this scripture that Amelia Drummond led us in, as she read from Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, 
defines a time in the life of the early church when their world just got so much bigger, but it wasn't by any plan of their own design. You see, the early church was up against it. In previous verses leading into chapter 8, we read that a leader of the early church, a man by the name of Stephen, was stoned to death by the Jewish authorities, becoming the first martyr of the Christian faith. Then after that, it says that a terrible persecution drove the church out of Jerusalem. The disciples who were with Jesus and now were the pillars of the early church remained in hiding to keep things going, but deacons and others like the name of Philip went into parts unknown like that of Samaria. And there, in a land and in a custom that was completely foreign to them, they saw just how big the world was to get. You see, had it not been for this moment in which the church was sent forward and fully invested going because of the discomfort they received, we would have never seen the fulfillment of Jesus' instructions. He told them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to go into all of Jerusalem, but then he also said, and to Judea, and Samaria, and into the very ends of the world. The disciples had led them well enough into that first part, into Jerusalem. But then the church does something that I think we all can relate to. It got comfortable, didn't it? You and I, we, we can get comfortable in our little world. We know everybody, we know everything, and we never have to ask questions that could otherwise make us look like an insider. But what we're missing out on is this. In our comfort, we are defining a very, very small world. And because our world is not getting bigger, good people, we are not getting better. There are other places to yet be explored by your life and mine. There to be the equivalent of our Judea, our Samaria, and our into the very ends of the earth. But to get there, we have to commit ourselves to going. And going is something that, while it sounds easy, is quite hard. The text in our scripture outlines that as much. The first part of their going was caused by discomfort, extreme discomfort. A great grief had pierced their hearts as one of their leaders had died. And now they were driven outside of the very homes where they lived. But because of the discomfort, they were first able to make that step of going. And I don't think that it's lost on us that here in today's time, there's a great discomfort about the church. Today in American religious life, there are more people, more people who profess to be a nun than any other religious expression in our nation. 
Now, when I say nun, I'm not talking about the Catholic type that wears a habit. I'm talking about an N-O-N-E. People that say, who's God? What's Jesus? Never heard of the Bible. Or I've heard of these things, but I don't really understand why it matters to me. In this understanding that the world is constantly becoming more and more unchristian, we have an opportunity, a source of our discomfort that will allow us to think maybe our problem isn't in our gathering, maybe our problem is in our going. We've got to get out of the fishbowl. There's new places to explore, there's new people to meet, and there's new opportunities to express God's love to those who aren't going to receive it, if ever, in a pew or a Sunday school class. Yes, going is led by discomfort. Going also means change. That's your favorite word, I'm sure, because I know it's mine. I don't like change, especially sudden change. It unsettles me. It makes me feel nervous and anxious and tense. Am I alone? But going means change. For the first time in their early faith practice, these early Christians had to express their faith in Jesus Christ outside of the temple courts where they were oftentimes taught and received the ministry and their homes. They went into towns that they'd never heard of and places that they themselves wouldn't choose to go. Because don't forget, most of them, by their heritage, were Jewish And if they were forced to go into Samaria, all of a sudden they were in close contact with people that they had had tension and animosity with for over 400 years. And yet these were the people that they were to minister to. They were to place their hands on those that their forefathers would have said were unclean and unholy and unrighteous. But in their change, they were able to go. Oftentimes, I think that our change is necessary, but oftentimes not understood. You see, I think in many churches, we still go by a missional model that is of antiquity, wherein we, the sophisticated, all-knowing missionaries go into a place, whether it's another town or another country, and we tell them the right things to do, the right things to be, and the right things to believe. But I think there's a change about that's necessary. I think it's time that we reevaluate missional strategy, and it's well outlined by a professor that I had the joy of getting to partner with in my doctoral work named Dr. Rob Nash. In his book called Moving the Equator, he writes, ours is not the task of saving souls for God. Ours is to discern where God is already at work and join in with the lives that he has called together for doing a purpose of the common good. In other words, in our change, in our going, We see opportunities for partnership, whereby we can learn 
as much as we can teach. We can receive as much as we give. And perhaps most importantly, we can be transformed as much as we hope to transform others by God's love. It dispels of the old theories of handing out tracts or saying a sinner's prayer or memorizing the Romans road. It gets us out of a fishbowl and opens us up to new possibilities. Possibilities whereby we work hand in hand with people to make their dreams come to life, to help their causes, to bless their children, and all the while say, what we do, we do because God first loves us. The last thing about going means other. That's a tough word for you and for me. Going means other. But I do like this word other because it's part and parcel an indispensable quality if we're in to live into our next month's missional theme. The next month's missional theme says everyone has a seat at the table. And that means people that look different than us, people that believe different than us, people that act different than us, and yet we're saying come and be a part. The disciples and those who were the early church who went were no doubt estranged to this information. But as they went and as they saw that their going meant other, they also found a strange reassurance that I think you and I can likewise discover. In our embrace of other, we find a similarity in our brokenness. In Samaria, Philip and the like found broken people in need of a hope. They found broken people in need of a healing. They found broken people in need of celebration. And because they likewise were broken, and they likewise received the hope and the healing and the celebration from Jesus Christ, they were able to relate to people different from them and say, everyone Everyone has a seat at the table. If you are visiting today and you are not a follower of Jesus, you do not profess him as Lord and Savior, I want to say to you first and foremost, welcome. You have a seat at the table. As we embrace fully invested going, as we allow our world to become bigger so that our lives can become better as we serve others in Jesus' name. I think that we are at the threshold of doing something that takes the lid off of religiosity. For it's no longer about understanding and believing exactly the theological concepts, fishbowl. It's no longer about behaving in a certain way so that you fit in, fishbowl. It's no longer about doing things so that you think that you will get into heaven one day. Fishbowl. It's about opening your heart, your mind, your soul to the wonder that God has in store for you.
For the scripture says, no eye has seen, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. This month, February, can we all make the solemn vow to get out of the fishbowl of our little worlds, to embrace the wonder of God's mission. The flags that are around you are not mere tokens of representation. They are, in fact, opportunities where you one day could be the person that stands with open hands and open hearts and says, Jesus Christ saves. With the wonder of the world before us, I challenge each and every one of us to be fully invested into going, to get out of the fishbowl, and to embrace the ocean of wonder that is around us. Amen? Can we pray? God, our going is not easy, but our going is necessary. Help us, O Lord. Help us, O Lord, to embrace bigger worlds and imaginaries than what we currently do. Help us to embrace the wonder that is before us. Help us to let go of our fishbowl, to embrace discomfort, change, and other, and to become, O God, people that are constantly becoming more like Jesus, more like your church, and more of an agent of change in this world that says, I'll meet you where you are, I'll love you as you are, and I'll introduce you to the Jesus who knew me as such and has changed my life ever since. In your name we pray, amen. As we stand and sing this invitational hymn, it's also a moment of transition for our guests visiting with us today, for after its conclusion, we will have a time of church in conference. So as we sing this hymn, our guests are welcome to leave, but we are all also welcome to come forward and respond as we are so led. May we stand, may we sing.